Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Our Father and our God, we praise you. We thank you for another privilege and opportunity to come to the house of worship. That we may uplift and praise your holy and righteous name. Lord, as we have assembled ourselves together between these consecrated walls in this place that we call sanctuary, we come acknowledging that it was not by our own merits, but it was just your grace and mercy. Now, Lord, as I stand to share and declare your word, strengthen me for the task at hand. Lord, put an eviction notice on the heart of every believer. Remove everything that is not of you. Let there be a vacancy for the filling of your Holy Spirit. Now, O oh God, as I open my mouth, I pray that you will speak to me and through me. And Lord, we pray that you would allow the people to see all of you and none of me. Let your word find its desired destination, the depths of someone's heart, mind, and soul, that it may spring up a well of everlasting life. Spirit of the living God, have thine own way. Have thine own way. Move between these consecrated walls. In the majestic, magnificent, marvelous name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we do pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Lord, Lord. Now put your hands together. You just blessed for another day. Give me the house of the Lord again. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling right there. Amen. Don't, don't just tap put your hands together for the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. I greet you in that name above all names, and that is the name of Jesus. He who was crucified, buried, and rose with all power in his hands. Amen. To God be all the glory and the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells the believer and equips us for power on this day of Pentecost. Amen. To you, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, to my preach brother, Reverend Franklin, we thank God for you. To all of you that are watching by ways of social media, good morning, Facebook. Hit like and share if you're watching. Amen. And those that are watching by way of the BS3 network, standing on the word broadcast. Good morning, BS3. Amen. We're glad that you're with us again today. Man, it's time for me to get to work. So open up your Bibles and journey with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 24. And when you have it, go to verse 49. Amen. We're going to see... If the 11 o'clock crowd has as much energy and as enthusiasm as the 9.30 crowd. The 9.30 crowd was energetic and enthusiastic this morning about the word of the Lord at 9.30. Amen. So this is my second time. Amen. But you're not going to get the same Waterdale message. Amen. Amen. I came out of Acts at 9.30 and we're going to Luke for the 11 o'clock service. Luke chapter 24 verse 49 and let's
just see what the Lord has to say, shall we? Amen. The writer says in Luke 24, 49 from the King James Version, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And there were continually in the and and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. May God bless the readers, hearers, and the doers of His holy word for the time that. God allows us to share today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. by the help of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, Pastor Dawkins, I want to encourage you to hear these words. Wait for it. Amen. Wait for it. And there are some things that we just have to wait for. You know, I was raised old school. And they always said that good things. Come on, somebody else was raised old school too. I was raised and, and taught that good things come to those. We wait. We have a witness in this place. Good things come to those that wait. But I come to discover if we were to believe that good things come to those that wait, is that God may not always answer your prayer right now. As much as we pray and want God to answer our prayer right now, and some of us, before we even close our prayer, we say, right now, Lord, I've come to discover that God is not always a right now God. God is sometimes a wait a minute God. Meaning that he ain't always going to answer your prayer the way you want, how you want, and when you want. Am I at somebody's house? And the Bible gives us many illustrations and words of encouragement about waiting on God. Sometimes you don't have to wait. You, you might be like the Dallas Theological Seminary and Dr. Harry Ironside. Can I tell you the story of what happened? Okay, okay. In 1924, the Dallas Theological Seminary almost went bankrupt. Right. On the day it was to foreclose at noon, uh -huh. Dr. Harry Ironside, who was the president at that time, held a prayer meeting in his office. Watch this. And the day he prayed a prayer, he often prayed and he said, Lord, we know the cattle on a thousand hills yes, are yours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Lord, please sell some of them and give us some money. Watch this, though. Watch this. As he prayed and while he prayed with some staff and faculty, a, a tall man who was a Texas alderman walked into the receptionist's office and told the secretary, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth, Texas. I've been trying to make a business deal go through, 
but it won't work. Come on. And I am here today with a check. I don't know if you need this, but here's the check. He handed the secretary the check, and the secretary burst into the room where the men were praying and said, Dr. Ironside, Harry, God just sold the cow. I want you to know that when you desire and dare to trust God for what you need, God will deliver on time. God never comes short of his promises if we simply wait on God. Sometimes God moves quick. Sometimes God allows us and forces us to wait a minute. But can I ask you something? Why does God sometimes allow us to wait? Can you understand that, that people are waiting for a whole lot of things? Some of us just can't wait for football season to get going again. Some women are waiting for Mr. Right while entertaining Mr. Wrong. There are all kinds of things that people wait for, but how many are waiting on the Lord? Why, why does God sometimes have us to wait? Well, I'm glad you asked the question because sometimes God forces us to wait to prepare us for the next assignment. Sometimes God forces us to wait in preparation for the next blessing. But can I go to the text? Let's not bore your patience and keep you too long. Here in the text, it tells us that Jesus now is getting ready to make his ascension, that after a period of time where Jesus had been seen of men and had demonstrated some infallible proofs after the resurrection, uh -huh. Jesus now is preparing to ascend back to the Father. Right. The Bible tells us that the scripture says that it was necessary for Christ to suffer. That's verse 46. Right. And to rise from the dead on the third day. Right. That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. Yes, Can I help you understand what we ought to be preaching? Yes. We ought to be preaching the death, burial, and resurrection yes, of Jesus Christ. Yes, we ought to be preaching that repentance and remission of sins could not have happened if it was not for the blood that was shed on the Calvary's cross. Now here in the text we find Jesus having some final instructions with his disciples. Right. Amen. As we examine the scene of the text, it's interesting to note that Luke also wrote Acts. And if you read Acts 1 and 8, you will see nearly the identical account of what is taking place. Right. Watch what the word of God teaches and tells us in the text. It says, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. Right. Now, do I need to tell you what a promise is? A promise is an agreement between two or more people. Right. Amen. And what I can tell you about promises from man is that you better get it in writing, notarized, and legalized. Because man will always fall short of promises. Y'all ain't gonna believe me, but let me give you some help to understand. Marriage is a contract of promise. Watch this, I'm gonna prove it to you. Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish for better, for worse, for sickness, and in health, as long as you both shall live? And you got the nerve to say, I do, and you don't mean it. Before the marriage license is signed, somebody already acting up, and somebody else is trying to get a divorce. Not a divorce, a divorce. Can I help you understand that promises by man, don't, it doesn't matter what it is, man falls short 
of a promise. Oh, but come here and keep your eyes in the text and let me help you to understand that when God makes a promise, God never falls short of his word. If God promises you something, you can stand on it, you can wait for it, you can believe in it, and God will bring it to pass. So text tells us that Jesus here is talking with his disciples, and look at what he says on the day of Pentecost. Let me remind you that it is the advent of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, can I just tell you something? The Bible is a book of promises. You believe that? And in the Bible, God makes promises to me. And I, as a matter of fact, I did some research. Now, if you want to validate the research, you can do it in your own time and tell me if this number is right. There was a man who was a teacher whose name was Dr. Everett Storms of Ontario, Canada, and he counted the number of promises that God made in the Bible. He started in Genesis and went all the way to Revelation and counted that God made a total of 7,487 promises in the Bible. And can I tell you something? Every 7,487 promise that God made in the Bible, he never failed in one of those promises. I wish I had some help up in here that could testify that God made me a promise and God never has fallen short of his word. Matter of fact, somebody can shout right now because God has made us some promises in his word. God said that we ought to be the lender and not the borrower. That's a promise. God promised us that he would supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. So why are you going around worrying about everything? God said it is his desire that we would be in good health and our soul will prosper. And if that's God's desire, why are we so worried about what's going to happen on tomorrow? Can I give you some? John 3.16 is a promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Watch this. That whosoever, whether you're rich or poor, black, white, green, or purple, whosoever believeth in him, here comes the promise, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm going to rest right there because guess what? I'm so glad that when this old battle down here is over, I've got eternal life up there with him in a kingdom called heaven where there's no more dying or crying there's no more suffering or sickness but every day will be Sunday and Saturday will have no end. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is a promise trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him here in the promise he will direct your path maybe 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 somebody is working do we have folk in here that work See, because I've determined that you're either a worrier or a warrior. You're either a prayer warrior, prayer warrior, or you are a worrier. Watch this. How many prayer warriors do I have? How many worriers do I have? The Bible says that we ought to not be careful, be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request be made known unto God. If that's not good enough, Matthew 6, 25 and 33 says that if God can clothe the lily of the field, if God can take care of the bird that chirps in the morning and not know where its next meal is coming from, then God will provide for you. Do I have a witness on this side that God will provide for you? That he'll make a way out of no way? How about on this side? That God will pick you up, turn you 
place your feet on solid ground. Anybody behind me know that God will provide because you've been down, but God reached way down and picked you up. He will provide, and that's a promise that God will keep. Psalms 23 is a promise. The Lord is my shepherd. Watch this. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Good God Almighty, meaning that he will supply all of my need. Can I get back to the text? Because I'm already preaching it and show you something in the text. But Jesus here is not making a promise. Can I give you my first point? My first point is a proclaimed promise. Jesus is not making a promise. But Jesus says, I'm sending you. Not a promise, but the promise. Wait a minute, can I pause, rewind, and play it again? The fact that he's not giving a promise and he's sending the promise lets me know that this promise is not a statement, but a person. You still here? He says, I am sending you the promise of the Father. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just stop right there. He says, I'm sending you the promise of the Father, meaning I'm sending something that God has already declared before I ever was created. So in other words, the Holy Spirit was spoken of before the New Testament. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Let me prove it, prove it to you. Can I prove it to you? Matter of fact, it was given by Joel 2 and 28, verses number Joel 2, 28 through 32, when he said the day will come. God said he's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and daughters. Somebody kiss that on their way home. Shall prophesy. You still here? He, he says, but here it is. What's interesting about this, there's something unique in this scripture. Here Jesus is, the fulfillment of the promise, talking about a fulfillment of another promise. Watch this. As Jesus, who is a fulfilled promise, is exiting the scene, he's now sending the Holy Ghost. Are you still here? Jesus tells them, boys, that it's necessary that I leave you, but I'm not going to leave you all by yourself. How many of y'all thought you were in this thing all by yourself? You thought you were lonely all by yourself. You, you thought you were sad and you were all by yourself. You thought that you didn't have any friends. But Jesus said, as long as you are in me, you're never by yourself because I'm going to send you a company keeper. He said, it's necessary that I send you something called the comforter, which is called alongside the paracletos, which will keep you in all understanding of God. Jesus leaves and says, I'm going to send you a comforter, and the comforter is in the person and power of the Holy Ghost. Now, now, now can, I, can I just turn up some church doctrine? You can be holiness and go to hell. You can be church of God in Christ and go to hell. You can be Baptist and go to hell. You can be Catholic and go to hell. Because the Holy Ghost is not based on a denomination. It's based on a relationship. I'm Baptist, but I got the Holy Ghost. And if you are a born-again believer, if you're sanctified, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, that means you've got the Spirit of God because the Bible says that he that 
got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it'll teach you how to act right. If you ain't acting right, I wonder if you got it. It'll teach you how to talk right. If you ain't talking right, I wonder if you got it. It'll teach you how to love everybody. If you ain't loving everybody, I don't know what Holy Ghost that is. Jesus said, Jesus said, I, I, he, he proclaimed the promise. He said, I'm going to send you, somebody say send you, the promise of the Father. Watch this. The function of the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost, it would show up and leave. Watch this. It would arrive and leave. But now what Jesus is saying is that it's going to abide and leave. Can I help you understand that it, it moved from just sewing up and leaving to, to taking a seat and staying. Now, now the Holy Ghost indwells the believer and keeps us fit for the service and the work of God. And since this is a promise of God, God kept his promise by giving the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will send you. Watch this. He's sending it but there are some prerequisites in order to receive it. You ain't gonna like it, but let me take my time and show you right here in the text. He says, and behold, 49, I send the promise of, own, of my father upon you. But watch this, here's a prerequisite. But tarry. It said tarry, not be tardy. Let me say that again. I know I might have some folk man. It's sanitary. Not be tardy. Meaning that you got to get in a hurry. Uh, see, some of us don't get in a hurry for nothing. We think that word is tardy, but it's sanitary. Now, watch this. going to mess you up right here. Y'all know what that word tarry means? That word tarry, <laughs> I, I promise you, you can look it up when you get home. That word tarry in the Greek. Y'all know what it means? To get somewhere and sit down. I'm telling you the truth. If you go home and you got a Bible concordance and you look up a strong dictionary, you pull this scripture up, you pull up Luke number 24 and you look up the word Terry, it'll say to be seated. So can I tell you what it's saying? Is saying that if we're going to wait on the promises of God, sometimes you got to get somewhere and sit down. Look at somebody tell them, get somewhere to sit down. Meaning you got to wait on the Lord. Quit getting in the way and watch God make a way. You too busy interrupting God's plans for him to work it out how he wants to. But when you just get yourself somewhere and sit down, God will come in and take care of things. While you in the way, he tried to make a way. But I dare you to just get out the way. I dare you to just remain quiet, still, and silent and watch God fight your battles for you. Because can I tell you something? There are times in your life where God wants you to sit down somewhere. Matter of fact, it's not time for you to open up your mouth every time somebody say an evil word against you. Every now and then, keep your mouth closed and watch God fight your battle. Sometimes we gotta be just like God told Moses. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, but you gotta get somewhere and sit. Right. 
He says, I'm going to send you the promise, but you got to chat. You got to go somewhere and sit down. He says, I want you to understand that, that, that God wants to reveal, wants to fulfill every promise, but sometimes we've got to patiently wait for him. My God, my God. How long do I have to wait, Pastor? I'm glad you asked the question because the promise may not happen immediately, but the word of God tells us right here how long we got to wait. Can I tell you how long you got to wait? Right here in verse number 49, it says, until. Can I tell you what that means? Until means until. It is in a definite period of time. Until means when you receive what I have sent, now you can rest assured that I am God. And guess what I'm doing right now? I'm tearing. Tell what I'm doing. I'm tearing. I'm going to get somewhere tonight until the Lord returns. And see, can I help you to understand what that means? That, that means you got to wait on God to fight your battles. You got to wait on God to fulfill every promise that he's made. Even what he said, until he said, I will send the promise of my father upon you, but carry, get somewhere else now, in the city, what city? Jerusalem. Tell them where to go. You got to go to Jerusalem and wait for it. Until, watch this, you be endued with power from on high. Well, I got to stop right there and teach you something else that that word endued, it, it means, uh, women can appreciate this, it means sinking into a garment. Sinking into a garment. Man, I hope this don't pertain to you, but there are some dresses that women have to sink into. Y'all ain't gonna pray with me. That you don't pull the dress on over your You step in. Y'all ain't gonna pray with me. Am I right about it, women? All dresses aren't designed to come over your head. There are some dresses that you got to. My God, I wish I could see this today. So what God is saying is that I'm going to send you a garment in the Holy Ghost that is going to clothe you. And once it overtakes you and overpowers you, you can step in it and walk according to my word. You will be endued. You'll be dressed with power from on high. How many of y'all know that if you have the Holy Ghost, that you dressed up with power? That's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But when you are endued with the power from the Holy Ghost, you're constantly dressed for battle. Because the term endued means to, as if you are stepping in a garment. Watch this. Can I get to my second point? First point, lest I bore your patience and keep you too long. My, my first point was that it was a proclaimed promise that we're waiting for it. And, and secondly, can I tell you that this is a privileged power? Look at somebody and say privileged power. We, 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 we hear that there are certain races in our country that are privileged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can I tell you, as a believer, we have some privileged oh, yeah. power. Now, now, can I tell you, this ain't back in the day with Malcolm X and Dr. King and all of them, where we would hold up our fists 
and proclaim black power. No, don't get me wrong, there ain't nothing wrong with black power, but there's nothing greater than Holy Ghost power. Come here, let me talk to you for a minute. This is a privileged power. Look at somebody and say privileged power. By privileged power, I mean that everybody is available to everybody, but anybody can't have it. I may have confused somebody, so let me say it again. It's available to everybody, but anybody can't have it. Everybody has an opportunity to have the Holy Ghost power in their life. But anybody just can't act. Listen, if you ain't living according to God's will, if you ain't living according to God's word, then you can forget about Holy Ghost power. Because those are the people with the privileged power are those that have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It is necessary that you be born again in order to be indwelled, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, 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 let me let me put this disclaimer on. You can't be filled with two things at the same time. You full of the devil. Watch this, I'm gonna prove it to you. Y'all know gas so high right now. When I go to the gas station, I start praying in the name of Jesus. See, you ain't driving the SUV with 20 gallons. You do the math. 20 gallons of fill up at $5 a gallon. That's a Benjamin for somebody that's doing that. But let me tell you, you can't be filled with two things at the same time. So, so, so once you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil cannot fill your life. You missed it. You missed it. If I have a glass of water and I filled it up, I cannot pour anything else in it. So when the Holy Spirit fills your life, it helps you declare and do battle with all manner of evil because you are filled and full of the Spirit. Those people that walk around talking talk about they possessed with the devil, they ain't possessed with the spirit. But it ain't nowhere in the Bible that I read that the devil's spirit is stronger than the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Ghost, you ain't got to worry about evil people. You ain't got to worry about evil intentions. I don't care about witches, sorcerers, black magic, blue magic, white magic. It doesn't matter because the Holy Ghost will protect you. He says powers. Touch the neighbor say power. Privilege power. Not, not just for anybody, but this is privilege power. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And once one comes in contact with the Holy Spirit, there is privilege power that's prevailing power. Meaning power to overcome all and every situation. Can I talk to you a little bit longer about this power? The privilege power. Can I tell you why? Because the Bible says, let me go back, let me rewind and play it again. Remember I said, wait on it? You got to sometimes wait on the power of God. I thought I'd give you some scriptures to prove that. Job says, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Job says, I might be weak right now. But I'm going to wait until my power comes. Are y'all going to wait till your change comes? 
Y'all looking at me like that. Let me help you out because some of, some of y'all, some of y'all looking at me and you don't don't realize that you gonna wait until your change comes. Can I prove you? I'm gonna wait until my change comes. This is how you need to be in a biblical aspect, but I'm gonna give it to you in a term in which you can understand. If you go into the grocery store and the clerk tell you that your balance is five dollars, and you gonna give you give them a twenty dollar bill, you gonna leave? No, you're not gonna leave. Part of the bill was five dollars, and I gave you a twenty. Well, what you sitting there waiting for? I'm waiting for my change to come. And when it comes to spiritual matters, we need to have the same patience and do the same thing and wait until our change. Look at somebody say, I'm waiting for my change. I'm waiting for, I don't care what the devil said. I'm waiting for my change. I, I don't care what I'm going through. I'm waiting for my change. They, David says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Why? Because he will strengthen. Here comes my power. Dying heart. Isaiah 40 says, they that wait upon the Lord, watch this, shall renew their strength. Privilege power. Only those that wait shall receive the promise of the Father. And when the promise of the Father shows up, there will be power. Holy Ghost power. Can, can I talk about this word endued with power? Can I, can I go for that term endued, it, it, it refers to clothing, but I want you to understand that clothing identifies people. Police officers, firemen, military personnel, those that work in the hospital all wear uniforms. And we know who they are. By the clothing that they wear. Come here, I'm trying to talk to somebody. People should know that you have a relationship with the Lord. Not by what you say, but what you look like. Ain't got to tell nobody I'm a pastor. But if they see my, my ways and see that I am demonstrating the love of God, my actions will speak louder than any word. This means that although it's available to anyone, everyone, I don't, want to, I don't want you to miss this, everyone does not and cannot possess this power. Can I go a little bit further? Well, that, that's my second point. Let's not, let's avoid your patience and keep too keep you too long. Can I keep running? First thing is that it was a proclaimed promise. The second thing we see that it was privileged power. Can I tell you the last one? The last one is we see some perpetual praise. Look at somebody and say perpetual praise. See, I got to use that word because I just taught it to someone in Bible study on Wednesday night. And if you don't know what that word means, then come on Wednesday night or Tuesday night at 7.15 for Bible study. And you'll understand the definition of the word perpetual. But for those that were not at Bible study, let me pause, rewind, and play it again. The word perpetual means everlasting. Some of you still looking at me. All right, you don't understand everlasting, but let me give you energizer. Y'all seen the energizer buddy that commercial to where he's got the drum and he's beating the drum and, and you hear the word, it just keeps going and going. And that's what a, that's what a, a perpetual praise is. It's a praise that just keeps going and going and going. And how many of y'all got a perpetual praise? The Bible says, tell the truth. And some of y'all ain't telling the truth right now. Because if you had a perpetual praise, you wouldn't have been waiting for the pastor to pump and pry you up. 
If you had a perpetual praise, you wouldn't have been waiting on Sister Natalie to play the keyboard to get you all happy. If you had a perpetual praise, you wouldn't be sitting there looking like God hasn't done anything for you. If you had a perpetual praise, when you came inside the building, you would have opened your mouth and declared that God is worthy to be praised. If you had a perpetual praise, right now you would be thinking about what God has brought you out of. You'd be thinking about the time that God picked you up. And you wouldn't be able to help but give God the praise for what he's done. I'm talking about folk with a perpetual praise. Meaning that every time I turn around, I thank God for what he's done. Because when I look back over my life, no, it wasn't my merits. No, it wasn't my good looks. No, it wasn't my education. But it was the hand of God that brought me safely to this point. Can I talk about a perpetual praise? A perpetual praise can take place in a painful place. I just said something to bless somebody right A perpetual praise can still take place in a painful place. Can I prove it? Paul and Silas had been beaten up. They were blooded. They were locked up. But at midnight, God shook up. See, while you locked up, confound us, beat up, God can shake up. And at midnight, because of their perpetual praise, God shook up and the jailhouse began to rock. See, Elvis ain't the only one that know about a jailhouse rock. God shook up the jail cell, loosed the bonds of all of them, and they had a reason to praise the Lord. Your perpetual praise can be in a painful place. Can I go on a little further? Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this perpetual praise. He says in 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. All right? I'm sending the promise. You got to get somewhere and sit down and wait for it. I'm going to dress you up in the power, presence, and privilege of the Holy Ghost with power. And then look at what happened. He led them out as far as Bethlehem. Can I teach y'all? Can I give y'all some? Can I give y'all some geography so you can understand some theology? He led them out as far as Bethany. What happened in Bethany, Pastor DP? I'm glad you asked what happened in Bethany or who was from Bethany because it was last week that I told you that there was a woman with an alabaster box and she came and anointed the feet of Jesus in a place called Oh, y'all ain't gonna pray with me. Bethany means, from last Sunday's message, Bethany means a house of misery. Come here, somebody. That was your key to shout right there. So how can I have an all-day, all-night praise in a place of misery? Can everybody understand how? Because you know that the worst place you can be in is the best place that you can praise in. Because when you praise God in a painful place, in a place of misery, you invite the presence of God where you are. And wherever God's spirit is, that's where his power is. Can I tell y'all about Bethany? Bethany was also the town of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Y'all remember Lazarus, don't you? Somebody don't remember Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And, and the Bible said that Lazarus got sick. And they sent word to Jesus and said, he that you love is sick. 
He talked. He sat down and waited. And the Bible says that Jesus now goes to the place where they had laid Lazarus. And when he gets there, he said, I need you to roll the stone away. They said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, Lazarus, he's been dead for four days and four nights. He's stinking by now. Something was stinking, but it wasn't Lazarus. It was the fact that they didn't have the power of praise to believe that God was able to bring him out. Goes to the tomb where Lazarus is and says, Lazarus, come forth. The old preacher used to say that the reason he said Lazarus, come forth, because if he would have simply said, Brown, come forth, that all the dead in Christ would have got up because he had that much power. He led them out as far as to Bethany. Watch this. And then, y'all know what Jesus did? He's getting ready to leave the scene. He told them where to go. Gave him instructions on where to go and how to get the Holy Ghost. Yes. Right. Bible says he leads them as far out as Bethany. Uh -huh. And when he gets to Bethany, you know what he did? He lifted yeah. up his head. Yeah. Are y'all still here? The last time Jesus lifted up his hands, his hands was lifted up. Can I tell you something happened? Yes, when we see Jesus' hands lifted up on the cross, a centurion soldier he said, surely this must be the cross. Are you still here? The last time Jesus lifted his hands up, a thief got salvation. Are you still here? The last time Jesus lifted his hands up, the Bible says that it was dark from the third, from the sixth to the ninth hour. The last time that Jesus lifted his hands up, he said, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. Are you still here? The last time Jesus lifted his hands up, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The last time Jesus lifted his hands up, can I tell you what he said? He said, son, behold thy mother, and mother, behold thy son. The last time that Jesus lifted up his hands, he said, I thirst. But it wasn't just a physical thirst. He was thirsting for that relationship with God. But the point I'm trying to make up is since the Lord lifted up his hands, why can't you sometimes lift up your hands? The Bible says that while he blessed them, the Bible says they worshiped him. Can I help you to see something that when God blesses your life, you ought to be just like the disciples and worship the Lord. Are you still here? Apparently nobody in this place has ever been blessed by God. Because you would have got the last note that I just gave you. That when the Lord blesses your life, then you ought to give God the best worship that you have. Am I right about it? So when God wakes you up in the morning, that's enough for you to wave your hands and worship God. When you see all your family is doing fine, that's enough for you to lift your hands and worship God. When you're clothed in your right mind, that ought to be enough for you to lift up your hands and worship God. When you make it safely to the house of worship, that ought to be enough for you to throw your head back, lift up your hands and worship God. When your enemies come against you and the Lord lift up a standard against your enemy, that's the stuff 
for you to throw up your hands and worship God. And if that's not enough, then be hurried to a close and tell you why you want to throw up your hands and worship God. And I'll tell you why. Because later one evening, God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Why should you worship him? He put a cross on his shoulder. Went to a hill called Calvary and stretched him high and hung him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. If he died, he died so we could live. But then I tell you why? You ought to lift your hands and worship God. He laid there for three days. But early Sunday morning, help me say early, he got up. With all power, Holy Ghost power, in his hand. Y'all know what I'm doing. I'm waiting for him to come back. Anybody waiting on Jesus? I've lived in this life, but I know one thing. One of these days, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to stand in the middle of the earth. The archangel will sound the trumpet, and the dead in Christ and those that are alive, guess what? We're going to be called up to meet the Lord. But until then, I'll wait for it. And God bless you, man.